Joey, we get a great opportunity to have a third conversation with Tal Simpson today. The three P. A three P. And I think it's just a really interesting opportunity to hear from someone who has implemented the three steps in their life. What they really wanted, the clarity. Yep. How to take control, getting their cash in, in a place that they could access, and then really picking the course and setting the direction for how they were going to create income streams to the point where he was able to to leave his job. And if you've ever wondered what it's like for someone to actually implement all three steps, today our guest comes back for the third time and is continuing to inspire us. Yeah, I, I think you guys have made it very clear to us that you love to hear not from the guy that is, you know, out of this atmosphere has created millions and millions of dollars, but the guy that is just like you, that has taken the steps that Russ mentioned. And, I, and here's the thing that I felt like you left out about Tao is he has invested in himself, which we always talk about with that hierarchy of wealth is in the very first place you should be investing in mm -hmm. is in yourself. And the amount of knowledge that Tao has received over the years in a very short amount of time from taking action and surrounding himself with great people, which by the way, he shares in this episode, how that has now catapulted him to the next level. I mean, there, you need to be writing notes on today's episode. Like this guy is full of, of wisdom that you can implement for yourself. It's just one of those really cool success stories that we're super excited to share with you just to help you see the progression and journey of another, of another member here in the Wealth Wild Wall Street community taking actions, going through those three steps, and not being afraid to, like you said, Joey, invest in themselves. I hope you'll invest in yourself. And if you have questions and you want to get on the, the call with one of our coaches and say, hey, how do I implement this concept of infinite banking? I want to be like Tao. I want to be able to leverage my life insurance policies to invest in myself, to be able to create passive income streams. And you're not quite sure exactly how that works. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call, take action. We can do this and we can help you. Now let's get into the interview with Tao Simpson. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. This is going to be one of my favorite interviews for multiple reasons. One, we have a return guest. Two, we have a what I believe is a real-life Monopoly game happening. <laughs> and one of my favorite things that happens in reality TV shows is when they do an update. Mm. So welcome into the show, Tal Simpson. Great to have you back, man. Thanks for having me back. I mean, this is uh, number three, right? I don't think we've had anybody on three times. Well, you know, you picked a good guy to bring back for the third time. <laughs> yeah. People are just asking for more towel. I don't believe that. All right. So now we're sitting here over lunch today earlier, and you are, as Russ said, living the Monopoly dream. You're passing out these green houses. You're trading them in for the Red Hotel. Tell us a little bit about what the, the last year, it's been over a year now, 
what, what's happened over the last year? Because yeah, the last time I'll bring everybody up to speed, if you haven't listened to Tao's previous episodes, Tao was a lawyer who started doing real estate on the side, ultimately caught the uh, passive income bug and the real estate game bug and decided to leave his day job and do this full time. What was that? October, 2019? Yep. Yep. And the last discussion we had, you had just acquired a handful of more units and were up to 60 single family houses at the time. Yep. All right. So take us what's happened over the last 12 months, uh, 14 months since then. Well, um, since I left the job, I needed to find something. You can't just make money buying rental houses. So <laughs> I really kind of my day job, if you will, is more or less wholesaling, flipping houses, finding off-market deals and uh, flipping them to investor or buying them and reselling for profit. Which by the way, so, but when, how you built your rental portfolio was basically wholesaling to yourself, yeah, right? Some of it. I mean, when we started buying, I just bought off the MLS and, you know, I've been kind of a numbers guy so I could tell what was a good deal rental wise. And we just, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. I just kind of followed, you know, like, oh, this seems, you know, study as much as you can. And this seems like a good deal. And we were just buying off the MLS. Um, as I got into it, I very much started identifying as like a real estate guy. And so I've sort of taught myself how to wholesale and started sending off postcards and getting directly to seller. Um, and so then, yes, I was kind of wholesaling myself for a while. <laughs> um, there've been a few uh, groups of rental houses I bought from another investor that already had them fixed up and occupied. And um, I've sold them some houses. They've sold me some houses. So there's kind of a different story for how we got to the 60, but a little incestuous to a certain is, degree. Is, I mean, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but you just did. <laughs> uh, no, but that's real estate. For you. Well, so, I mean, you're, you were a corporate attorney for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden you started learning this off to the side. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now that are trying to figure out how to get out of their day job because they just really don't like it. They're interested in real estate. and But some may have that question mark. It's just too hard. It's too hard to learn all of these things. I'm going to be competing with people who've been doing it for you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, because now you have made that decision to move into it full time. Like, how how much competition is there? Do you feel like you're still the low man on the totem pole, or or how do you feel like um, you you've made strides in your your own real estate knowledge over the last twelve months doing this solo? I mean, it's definitely a learn by doing. I mean, when we started buying them three or four years ago, you know, I would probably not buy those same houses today, but it, I mean, it worked out fine. But uh, I mean, it's just a a learn by doing thing. Just just like any other trade. Um, we, I got some things going for me and Birmingham is a very good real estate investor market. So that helped just the numbers are good. Um, so it gives you a little bit of buffer as far as like, well, I bought 10 houses and two of them were not that great, but the others were good. And overall it, you know, if you get up to 60 houses, you can have a couple dogs in there and it's fine. So that's another thing is, <laughs> you know, scaling definitely mitigates your risk some and um you know just every deal that i did i learned something um and and you know being around people who like these guys that i i'm working with um 
have 600 houses. And so they really know what they're doing. And so, you know, getting around people who are ahead of you, um, and, you know, just like anything else, it's just like if you're a first year lawyer and you find a partner at the law firm who's, you know, an expert in your area of interest and getting under his or her wing, it's the same thing as anything else. But so I'll, I have two questions in light of the last year. One, when we interviewed you last time, you had just put in your notice. Yeah. It was a scary time. Like, but how more scary for my wife, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, you had some confidence in the fact that you had built up this portfolio. Talk about like the months after that, like just the, the last, the first couple months after I no longer have this place to go every day that pays me a salary. Yeah, it was scary. I mean, it's still, is at times if you go, you know, a little ways between a good deal and, you know, it's just like, it's just like being an entrepreneur or anything else. If it's a, if you're sales dependent, which there aren't many, you know, entrepreneurs who aren't to some degree sales dependent. So getting, you know, like even before I was a grown up with a job, like my dad was an attorney for 40 years. My mom was a teacher. So I was very much programmed to think like, oh, getting a paycheck every two weeks or four weeks is that's what my comfort zone was. So it was definitely scary in one sense to make that transition. But at the same time, like I'm working from home and like, you know, I'm always pretty good about catching my kids games and all that sort of thing. But now I don't have to worry about vacation days and, you know, all those things. So, um, it definitely netted out to excitement, net excitement. There was some scariness in there too, but. All right. So compound that. Yeah. With three months after we meet and do the last show, you are uh, faced with COVID. The COVID crisis hits and now you've given up the salary and you're on your own. Like what's COVID? (laughs) (laughs) March of 2020 happens. Let's just say that. And the market happens. How did, how did you navigate through that? It did. um, It slowed things down for a little bit, but at least on what, on what side of things? Well, on the, um, like on my active, you know, kind of the way my business is, you know, I've got the rental portfolio and all that, but my active businesses were sending out marketing people who are interested in selling, but maybe have never, taking the steps to hire a real estate agent and list it. They call in, you kind of talk to them, see what their situation is and look at the property. It involves like going out and looking at the house, a lot of face-to-face meetings. Um, That pretty much slowed down. Like uh, the real estate market as a whole, I'd say is still extremely hot. What would you say it slowed down because what is the average age of a seller to you on that market? I'm in 60s, 70s. So was it that they were a little bit cautious of people coming near them because of the coronavirus? Yes, that. And I think also just, you know, there's so much uncertainty and, you know, misinformation and confusing information about what this thing was and how can you get it and what, you know, all the, yeah, it just kind of, caused everybody, even on our side too, we're like, well, let's maybe let's postpone our appointments or cancel our appointments. Right. Okay. You know, it, it slowed down and really to get a deal flow, you have to have that funnel of how many postcards are you sending out? How many calls are you getting off the postcards? How many appointments are you getting? How many contracts are you getting? 
how many deals are you closing? You know, it's a, a funnel just like any other sales process. And so you just like throw a big monkey wrench in the funnel at the top <laughs> and nobody wants to meet with you face to face. So um, how did you guys navigate that? I mean, just maximizing, you know, just cut down on the number of opportunities to, uh, to buy a good deal. So just buckling down and maximizing and, do, do you feel like in that process, though, which I, I'd be interested, and maybe we don't know the answer today because we're still so close to it, but do you feel like that created the opportunity for you to get more creative or more efficient in your in your systems? I, I just think, Joey, of our interview we did with Mike McCallowitz, the Profit First mm -hmm. author, he he talked about when when forced with a, a situation, usually the the tightening of stuff, it makes us think more creatively. It, it helps us sometimes find opportunities that have always existed that we just didn't deal with because we could. Have you seen that started to happen in your business at all? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I guess I really, this is kind of a theme for my whole real estate career, even though it's not, it's only a few years into it. Um, I found that doing something a little different than like the textbook, like, I guess technically you could consider me a wholesaler, but what I've done and without, you know, revealing who my partners are, cause I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if they've made it public or whatever, but I'm working with a, a company that's got a bunch of rental houses and them sell like hundreds. Um, they are a regular cash buyer. They're buying 10 or 12 houses a month, renovating, renting out, holding on to the long term. So they've got, and they've raised money passively from other investors. So they have kind of a fiduciary duty to put this money to work. They have to buy houses. Um, I teamed up with them to help kind of fulfill their demand. And so that's another, basically, uh, you know, without going into the weeds too much on wholesaling, the circumstances have to all line up right. You know, it's got to be usually a vacant house that you can get access to and allow if you're going to try to flip the deal to another buyer, they're going to want to inspect it. And, you know, sometimes the seller is, you don't want to confuse the seller about, wait, I thought you were buying it. No, no, they're buying it. Um, so it really makes wholesaling, even though it sounds great and it can be profitable, it's kind of a tough, there are a lot of deals that don't work because the circumstances have to line up. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and basically partnering with, uh, these other guys who, I mean, I myself am a buyer, but I don't have unlimited funds yet. I'm working on it. Um, you know, there are only so many houses you can buy um, where you're not dependent on someone going to already be lined up to buy it from you for more than you're buying it for. Right. But basically we've, we kind of streamlined our systems, I guess, to where we're able to make more deals work, even if it's not going to be a huge profitable deal. Like you're, the ability to match the person who needs to sell their house and the ultimate end buyer is often kind of tricky to do, but by kind of doing things the way that I'm doing, it's a little easier. Yeah. So that's a long answer to a short question, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a unique model and we kind of started doing that right around, uh, you know, March. Yeah. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you. Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today.
So let me ask a question. So obviously the last time we met, you had 60 houses and we're kind of going down this road of acquiring more rental properties. You partner up with a group who needs somebody to help them buy locally. You're doing wholesaling on the side with them. You're sort of looking at some properties and and they came to you and and said what it seemed like there there's been a little bit of a shift lately and things are going on in your life. Well, um, they made me an offer to buy all my houses. <laughs> that that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, almost all of them. There are a couple that I've I'm going to hold on to, but um, yeah, they are expanding their business and they for five or six years they've been buying one or two at a time. You know, renovating it putting it in service and just repeating, repeating, repeating. And to get to the scale that they want to get to, they need to buy in chunks more. They also just through our relationship, they've managed my houses for me. And so they literally have the keys. They know more about them than I do at this point. (laughs) Um, Makes it an easy decision for them. Yeah. um, And I've spent, you know, the last, these years of accumulating, there's a lot of deferred. I mean, they cash flowed but we were recycling a lot of the cash flow, putting it back into renovating the properties. And so we've, they have, um, you know, they are, these guys are professionals. They've done this over and over. They have a standard that maybe the mom and pop landlord and certainly the first, you know, dozen or so houses we bought, you know, they were um, old and maintenance issues and that sort of thing. So over the years I've gotten them up, thanks in part to them for helping me operate them to a, a more of an institutional grade level standard. Yeah. Nice. And so they kind of just blend in with their own portfolio and, you know, they're trying to buy chunks of houses and like, well, here's a chunk of house. So when, right when you say a chunk, how, how many houses are you selling them? Uh, 58. 58 houses. Yeah. Now the the person listening is like, well, Tao, if I, I've been following you. I, I love the the story of how you got to the point where you felt confident enough to leave your day job because you had enough money coming in to cover that amount of money. Now you're selling your cash flow. Talk to us a little bit about how are you compensating for that? Uh, well, first of all, the return on and you know, look, it was a they're buying at a they're getting a good deal on them too but I've basically like forexed my money on those. So, okay. You know, take, I'm listening. you talk about, <laughs> especially because I practice infinite banking. So that's my source of capital. You talk about using capital and putting it back. Well, I'm about putting to, it back and then shove it back in. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big, I mean, yeah, the cash flow is good, but having a nice, you know, chunk of money coming in. Yeah. Um, a major monetary event. Say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's part of it. But um, we're also, I've got a couple apartment buildings under contract. So, you know, I'm really, I don't care too much whether it's houses or apartments. I'm looking for cash flowing real estate. And right. So we're basically like, yeah, trading in our greenhouses for a couple of red <laughs> hotels. And I'm going to be focusing more on multifamily. So what, what, what benefits will that provide you outside of just the obvious, like replacing your cash flow per se? Will it, first of all, will it increase your cash flow or replace it? It'll probably be about the same um, overall. Um, I'll probably have, I, mean, I don't know what 2021, hopefully we're going to be buying a lot more. So hopefully I'll get back to exceeding my number of rental doors. But the, the idea 
really the um this was not the primary consideration but um i'm i've got some capital gains from the sale so we're actually waiting until the first week of january to close on them right that's going to help but uh the apartment multifamily you can really maximize your tax advantages um from real estate because you you've got you know 20 doors under one roof or even four um or eight you can do what's called a cost segregation study and break down the components of the building mm. instead of writing all of it off over a 27 and a half year timeline you can pull out the components that are that the irs legally lets you write off over five years or 10 years or 15 years and then you couple that with the uh, current tax code lets you take bonus depreciation on all that in the first year. So basically I'm going to get to, I'm having a multiple six figure capital gain from the sale. And uh, this one, I just talked to my CPA last week and the one 20 unit apartment that we're planning on buying in January, doing the cost segregation study should offset all of those gains in the first year. So not only are we getting the, the gains, but it's a, and I'm not even doing a 1031 exchange. It's just selling, taking the gains, but finding more real estate to offset the gains that we got from the sale. Well, and that's the part that a lot of people don't understand about real estate investing is that they see businesses and they're always looking for what's the profit. Well, yeah. what, what they really mean is what's the money in your pocket, right? And you're about to have lots of money in your pocket, but as it relates to paper, because of this other transaction that you're making, yep. you're going to, on paper, make the profit go away, but the dollars in your pocket don't go away. That's right. That's a beautiful... They, spend, they still spend. They, they spend very well. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a, a key ingredient. I, we actually were talking to a guy, our business coach on the phone earlier today, and he said, you know, when he was in the man, managing money business, he used to work for Goldman Sachs as an investment banker, they would talk to super high income, super high net worth people, and they would say the money was not in asset allocation. It was in asset location. Yeah, because the, the wealthy know how to structure deals. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Understanding how to structure the deals and put the money and run the money through certain structures allows you to keep the dollars in your pocket, but not have to send it out in the form of taxes, which ultimately reduces how much money we have in our pockets. I, lo I love that about that. But there's there's other transaction as we were talking before we pressed record too, that you substituted or added on some of your cash flow by getting into a whole new area of real estate. Talk to us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, um, and I'll even add a, a little bit more to it. Um, I qualified, my wholesaling business uh, qualified for a PPP loan. I took that money and I bought a trailer park with it. Don't tell the Small Business Administration that I said that. Um, but one of my, uh, my partner in kind of the active real estate transactional wholesaling business, if you will, he and I got, we got a call off one of our postcards from a guy with a mobile home park, uh, 59 units. And so we, he was in a position where he was able to sell it to us on seller financing instead of for cash. So we put a little bit of money down. We're paying him monthly. Um, and so, yeah, now I own a trailer park too, which I didn't really see coming, but um, just kind of going where the opportunities present themselves. 
So, and, and that is, obviously we've talked about mobile homes on this show before, those parks, uh, but from a cash flow perspective, especially since you're able to own or finance it, I mean, mm-hmm. how has that worked out for you? Uh, it's It's real good. Now we're putting the park needs some improvements. So we are taking kind of like I did with the rental houses. We're taking the cash flow and putting it in. Like we're repaving some areas. You got some, uh, there's some power meters that were broken, some water meters that are broken. So we're doing some maintenance and some capital improvements. But once that thing is stabilized, you know, our gross, uh, gross monthly rent should be between 12 and 13 grand a month. And we're paying the guy 4,500 bucks a month. There are some taxes and some insurance and a little bit, but I mean, between my partner and me, we're hoping to conservatively twenty five hundred or three thousand each a month. Uh, so I mean, the cash flow is really good. It, wow, th- this reminds me of the cash flow game, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. What, what what just happened there is that when <laughs> when Tao was working as an attorney, he was on that inner circle. Yeah. He was in the rat race part. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he found a way to get enough of those small little houses going to where it got him out on the bigger loop. And when he got out on the bigger loop, then what happened? He fell into a, an apartment complex deal and was able to basically take all the small houses, sell them and keep all the profits. And then he landed on another square that gave him access to $8,000 a month of cash flow once everything's said and done. That, that comes in in a big, huge chunk. I just, if you've never played the game cash flow, I want to encourage you to buy that game yeah, great and, and start playing that because it is truly helping you think from a perspective of how do I continue to um, one, two X, three X my income. But then when you get on that outer loop, because I love this about this update, Tao, is that you're basically helping us see that this is possible, right? Yeah. When it started in a very small way, bought a couple of rental properties and then accelerated really quickly to 60. But now your your real estate IQ is is so far ahead and we're still just three or four years in. Yeah, yeah. I still kind of only sort of know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of us listening to you, we're like, you're our hero from a real estate um, guru standpoint. And I, I just love this because this is just the everyday story that th- this is not someone we're not, you know, watching, you know, Grant Cardone on the 10 X stage here, talk about the deal flows that he's doing or Ed Milet. This is someone that you would know and hang out with and have a beer with if they were in your town and Tao, you, you, I mean, I don't want to take any away from the hard work and the intelligence that you have because you have done all the, the stuff that is needed to be successful in real estate. And I just appreciate you, you know, hanging out with Joey and I and just like, hopefully we're learning through osmosis here. Yeah. And I, I would, I'd like to ask, so going forward, what's, what's on the horizon? Like what's, what's next for you as you've now traded in for these, apartments what what do you see kind of coming in the future i'm trying to figure out the best way to match uh, over the years that i've been doing this especially recently and i just especially people in my former life of you know i met up with a couple of guys i used to work with at the law firm and they're like wait wait you're doing what now <laughs> um well i've always been interested in real estate and i've got some money to invest but i don't really have the time or whatever i've gotten a lot of that um so I'm trying right now, it's just out working up here, but I think, you know, in 2021, um, finding the right way to op- offer opportunities to people with money who want to put it into real estate, but 
don't have the time or experience yet to to do it themselves. Um, whether that's through you know pulling together some money and buying apartment buildings, um, or even you know I've learned that this uh, off market marketing thing, even in a very hot market, you can find deals. Um, in any market, you can find deals if you have the right methods. And I've got some that are working. Um, for example, I've done this on some cheaper houses that I can just afford to do myself. But you find something that is, for whatever reason, it's you think there's some retail sizzle to it. Like one house I got uh, bought for twenty five thousand, but it's like right downtown, um, like just a couple blocks from uptown and what all is going, um, going on in downtown Birmingham, I knew that somebody, if I could just put it on the MLS, somebody's going to buy that thing for a lot more. Well, I just bought it immediately. I didn't do anything to it. Didn't even go inside of it again. <laughs> Called one of my realtor buddies and he put it on the market for, I think like 49.9 and sold it in a week for 42.5, 17,500. No, we paid him commission and had some costs come out. But um, and I, then there's another one I did similar numbers to, and the light bulb started to go off. Like, man, if I could buy, like, if I had like a million dollars worth of capital to use, I could go do this a lot and you're turning your money much quicker. So the velocity, and if you're talking about annual returns, if you were able to flip it a few times, um, over a year. Um, so I've got like some ideas like that in my head. Um, probably try to find some way to work with you guys on some of the stuff y'all are doing. Um, well, and that's, that's the beauty of I was getting, hoping that was going to yeah, come yeah. into the Getting all of these ideas together. <laughs> and I, I feel like in 2021, we're, we're launching this Passive Income Mastermind and there's going to be so many opportunities. And I'm so looking forward to figuring out a way for us to work together on some deals because the, the multifamily space combined with the short-term rental space that Joey and I have been working through it's definitely a, an opening for us to to get our hands into some deals together. And I, I just, as you're listening to this interview, and I just want you to be encouraged, like listening to the progression of what Tal has been doing. You may have been following his story from uh, from the beginning, and maybe you're on the front edge of your story. And, and you, you don't know exactly what's available to you, but some takeaways here. One, partner and be around people who are two or three steps in front of you. To, to keep expanding your mind. Also, always be away, uh, available and uh, open to when deals come to you that are just too good to um, not turn away, that you take them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then also in structuring, make sure you're structuring deals to where you get to keep as much of that cash as possible. And lastly, share this podcast with somebody you know, because they need to be hearing these same sort of stories. Yeah, this is the journey we're all on. So, Tal, I appreciate you um, just being willing to come back and uh, for a third time. And hopefully we'll have you back for a fourth time soon. So uh, thanks again for being a part of this. Yep. Thank you all for having me. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. We'll catch you next week. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.